As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Well, thank you everyone so much for joining us for this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I'm being joined today by the founder of Lions Lead, Dr. Dan Snively. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being with you. So we're going to get into some very powerful content today around succession, around executive development, around team building, around leadership trust, around building trust and the power of trust and how that shows up in the workplace. So we are so excited for everyone that's joined today to dialogue and jump into this conversation with us. So just to share with those listening, so I went down through, if anyone knows our family business, I went through a fairly in-depth endeavor in terms of developing myself, our family feeling as though that I was the right leader. We didn't want to make that assumption at all, knowing that we support so many family businesses around the world. Let's not, not make assumptions, one, that the next generation wants to lead wants a business. It. Absolutely. And two, that the next generation is right yeah. to lead the business yes. and, ready and ready to lead the business. Absolutely. So that's how we were introduced. A uh, good friend of ours, dear friend, Chuck Proudfit. Chuck, thank you for the introduction to Dr. Snively and Lions Lead. And I uh, was sharing with my dad that I think you really need to take this approach. So we went through a very in-depth assessment probably six years ago. At that time, the tool was called the Seven Pillars. Seven Pillars still is. And went through that experience and had you came into Cincinnati, you spent time with us. I remember that time in our yes. office very dearly. So thank you for that development it was a pleasure. and coaching. So Dr. Snively, let's talk a little bit about why are you doing what you're doing? What's really the motivation behind, the heart behind hmm. of helping leaders lead well? Very insightful question. I started caring about leadership when I was 15, mostly through athletics, but was making sure that it was so important that influence, what leaders do is influence and not just themselves and not even just their companies or organization, but it ends up having a rippling effect across really a whole community. So I am passionate about people who are in leadership positions, actually knowing how to lead, how to influence and make a difference. And as you look at this, the let's talk about trust. Mm -hmm. How do you start? I know one of the things that we were so educated on that to develop a healthy culture, you have to have a trust amongst that culture, amongst your people, and to be frank, amongst yourself, Absolutely. to be able to trust yourself to lead and to lead into others and have others leading into you. Can you share a little bit about when you define leadership trust, what does that mean for you? Yeah, that's uh, you've really set it up well and captured it. It's a huge factor. Let's first start with the idea that people need to be led. They need to be governed. They know that just that they want to be led well. They want to know that they can trust their leaders. They want to know that their leaders value and respect them. So that starts as, as a foundation then to build from that. So when leaders, if they will do those things, and then how do you actually establish even more challenging, sustain? Mm -hmm. 
trust with from a leader to followers to the organization. And there are a number of attributes that we've discovered that make a difference with that. Hmm. So the tools that you've developed. So if you go to lionslead.com, mm-hmm. lionslead.com to look at the variety of tools that your organization provides, can you share a little bit about, I mean, where did that come about? How did your corporate experience lead you into being an effective leadership assessment organization? You know, thank you for that question. That I think it's one of the distinctives that Lions Lead has is that I actually led in executive positions for 28 years. So I bring that experience to it and that desire for leadership influence to become exceptional. That there are a lot of instruments out there And we looked at it and said, you know, at the end of the day, it's really about behavior. It's about the choices that we make. It's less about your personality and a lot more about your behaviors, your mindset, how you think about things, choices that you make. Those are the things that then, as we set about building instruments, they are behavior-based. They help leaders really understand what their strengths and gaps are. None of us has it all together. We all have some strengths and we have some gaps and we have some challenges. Mm. Will we own up to those? And then what are we going to do about it? Yeah, I think the self-awareness piece for me, I know just to, again, take back many years ago when I thought I knew everything, I realized I don't know everything. And that was a really good thing, right? I think that was just a journey. You can call it generational whatever. It's lack of experience and then experience, right? I kind of joke with my dad now that you were right 98% of the time. (laughs) I just thought I was right 98% of the time. But I remember an experience that we worked with a uh, dear friend of ours, Lynn Rule, to be our facilitator of our family transition and helping my father and I recognize, and this could put, now I also should say helping my CEO recognize or helping me recognize that when we would communicate, we would miss one another, that Mm -hmm. the thoughts and belief systems that I have, the values that we both have are very consistent, but the disconnect around the way I think Mm -hmm. and when I think and how I think needs to get accomplished and how he thought. And in this case, so think of those that you're reporting to. And sometimes you feel like we're just not connecting. That's how we felt on a very regular basis. And this self-assessment journey, we all need to be more self-aware. And it's not just of yourself knowing yourself, but also how do others experience you? How do you show up both in great times and also more importantly, work can be stressful. How do we show up in stressful situations? And I know even your tool highlighted areas around stress management for me, that there are times as an entrepreneur and as an entrepreneur's heart, that it can be very stressful, right? And how do I manage that dynamic while I'm innovating, while I'm building through conflict resolution, while we're designing new things, while I'm working with customers. And um, so can you share a little bit about helping the dynamic and impact of helping people be more self-aware? Oh, absolutely. And and you actually hit on what I consider others as well, probably the single most important attribute, that self-awareness, to your point, isn't just about, do you know who you are? It's, do you know what's going on around you, in you? Do you know how to read people, situations? Probably the most challenging thing is, do you know how to read yourself, how you're coming across? Can you step outside of yourself into the people? How are they viewing me? 
we like to describe it, the metaphor we like to use is the cockpit of an airliner. So the pilots, when they run that, everything that they need to know that's going on inside that aircraft and outside that aircraft is all on that flight deck. And if folks have had a chance to actually go inside the cockpit, they would be amazed at literally the hundreds of switches, buttons, dials, and gauges that are necessary. That's like self-awareness. That's Can you read that instrument panel, what's going inside, outside, and so forth? Yeah. Hugely important. Yeah. And how do tools, how do external resources and assessments for those that know me and ask the question around assessments. I mean, sure. we experience assessments all across the country, all across the world. Every organization has a tool that they use. Yeah. What we always say, it's not just what's in the assessment, but how you use the assessment. Absolutely. And we're a big believer in assessments as powerful tools and resources to further develop and bring teams together and create a knowledge around what inclusion really looks like? And are we way too similar? Do we have different views, perspectives, and belief systems to bring to this conversation? What has been your experience working with organizations, large global companies, and also small privately held companies of the power of a great assessment done well? There are many, there are literally hundreds of instruments out there. And we believe that you're more than a number or a color or a list of, of numbers. It's really about behaviors. And the other thing that as folks are looking at it, at instruments is that because we're complex, you really need to have instruments where it comes at you from several different angles. So that that perspective adds strength, helps understand the alignment of behaviors and so forth. Another part of your question though, was in taking a look at what difference does it actually make? One of the things that some very high level leaders said to me several years ago is that they thought they probably, and they probably were right, had the ability that over time could really assess their people's strengths and challenges. But after taking, in this case, the seven pillars, what they discovered was that this instrument actually helped their leaders and them as a team understand a rather complete, full understanding within two months, rather than the five years that they thought it would take yeah. to be able to get to that point. Yeah. As you look at your, one of the topics that you have on your website, we talk about life enduring questions. Yes. And again, back to self-awareness, mm -hmm. where do you like to start in an engagement of helping someone become more self-aware? What types of questions do you encourage yeah. leaders to ask themselves? Yeah, that is a very perceptive question. As we look at it in Lions Lead, we look at there's really four really important questions that you have to be willing to address. Some people are willing to look at those, and, and frankly, some say, yeah, I, don't want, I can't be bothered. Mm -hmm. If you want to be really effective, we've discovered that there are really four, there are probably others, but the four that we look at, the first one is, who am I, really? That's where the self-awareness comes in. Do I know what my strengths and my challenges are? When I really look at myself in the mirror, now, what I'm trying to project, but who am I really? The second question that we like to help them ask is, what kind of a leader do you really want to be? Often, people in leadership positions think they're being leaders if they're doing their job. We say, you're just doing your job. Leadership is more than that. So what kind of leader do I really want to be? Have I thought through that? Do I know what I want to do? What kind of a leader am I really trying to become? So when I look out... You referenced when you were younger and you had an idea of leadership. Your idea of leadership now is a whole lot more advanced than what it was 15 years ago. 
And it's helping leaders understand that leadership is going to change. The way you lead needs to change. Are you aware of that? Do you study that? So you start to see these questions. And the fourth one is, if I know where I'm going, do I know how to get there? And this is where assessments and discussions and coaching and really a consulting relationship, really, we kind of tease each other that we're really just Sherpas. We're just trying to help leaders get there. Get to the next step, get to the next phase. As you think through the implications of, you know, if a leader says, I want to take an assessment about myself, Mm -hmm. how do they bring that back to create leadership trust inside their organizations? Can Uh you give me more into, you know, I'd love to focus on this leadership trust piece. That's maybe even a more perceptive question than you realize that you're getting at the crux. So what you're really after for leaders is to take a look at not only what kind of a leader am I trying to be, but am I going to be honest with myself? Of where I'm really at. And this is where we like to look at with Lions Lead, the instrumentation that we use, the process we use. I can't totally explain to you how it happens, but it happens every time. And that is there is a discussion because you're looking at yourself from multiple angles. The realities come in. And as a leader, you want to know how does this apply to me? Yeah. You use the example of managing stress. And when I talk with you, you knew that intuitively, but you had not seen it clustered, measured out there like this was. So what it does is it sets up a very internal, transparent conversation Mm -hmm. that leaders want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. They want to own that. What can I do to get better at this? Can I get better at this? Because it's behaviors you can't. Yeah. And so if there's a dynamic and there, there is a trust that happens in the discussion process of those findings, that leader has to be authentic and transparent and wants the same in return. Mm-hmm. So there is a bond that is developed from the assessment process to really build a sense of accuracy and trust. So we were just talking about the ability to build leadership trust and build, and you've led in complex, very large, complex teams, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And you find that in these complexities and the sizes, the size doesn't matter, helping this bring this resource together and bring teams together, you can do that in any environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. In fact, in some of the really large organizations, leaders can be so protected that they can actually lead in an artificial Mm. environment and not really be in touch. Okay. And so those are our challenges. And some of them realize that and will use instruments throughout their teams Mm -hmm. to really bring common ground. So when you look at your tools and think of tools and how tools complement a search selection process to leadership development process, I mean, you've got tools that range from being implemented inside of school systems, inside of sports teams, inside of leadership teams. How do you weigh out the options of how you look at tools and assessments and resources to complement an actual recruiting process? Yes. Well, in the recruiting process, of course, what you're after, both in the work that you do, you're trying to provide that service to companies, is that they want to make sure they get the right person in there. Well, how do you know what you're getting the right person You can do it from interviews. You can do it from a a number of ways. But one of those legs should be a really quality instrument that gives you those kinds of insights. Mm -hmm. You also then want to know or should want to know if we get the right person on the bus, so to speak, how do they fit with the others? Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't know your strengths of the rest of them and the dynamics and so forth, 
you might be getting the right person, but do they fit with the rest? Hmm. And so that whole process of making sure that you get the bus full of the right people and that the team dynamics are really assembled in such a way that they become a high performing team mm -hmm. that has a deep ripple effect in the rest of the organization and to the clients. Mm. So one of the things you just hit on that I think is critical that our listeners hear mm. is that you're referencing the complement mm. of the assessment against the team. Yes. So for those who are listening, if you ever think about, you know what, we should run, if you ever get told, here's what happens. An advisor says, you should really use an assessment for this search, mm -hmm. right? And they think, oh, we should use an assessment for this yes. search. And the key here, and if you just heard Dr. Snively reference this, you need to know your whole team. Absolutely. You cannot do this in a vacuum. You can't make a decision based on one. I remember a key conversation I had probably six years ago now where I shared with an organization they were using a number mark on an assessment tool. And as they interviewed, if they didn't hit this number, they yep. weren't a good fit. And our feedback was, and I said this very respectfully, but also directly, the key here is do you know the number? There's a chance that your own team wouldn't make these expectations on this assessment score. Very likely true. You know, so the A plus talent that you're trying to find based on this assessment, if you're a culture of B players, or if you're an A here, doesn't mean an A like the overall aggregate, right? So uh, in this case, I think that anyone who wasn't a 74 or higher, they must be out. And what we found was they hadn't done their own benchmarking. Mm. So that's a dangerous very, place very to dangerous. be. Very, yeah, dangerous very dangerous to be. And a score doesn't mean good, bad, ugly, amazing. It means it's a assessment tool to benchmark against the rest of your organization and where you're trying to go. Where you're trying to go. Huge. Where you're trying yes. to go. So in terms of the dynamic between evaluating leadership capacity. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that really stood out to me was that Lions Lead has the ability to look at leadership capacity and behaviors yep. that can detract from reaching your fullest potential or elevate you to reach your fullest potential. So could you share a little bit with our audience about that? Yeah, that's a powerful question there. It again goes back to what we've discovered that there are a number of Com it's all about the combinations of base so It's not isolated. So it's not a specific score. It's not even, as we talked about earlier, that self-awareness hugely important, but it isn't by itself what you make a decision by. There are multiple factors to take a look at. And you are looking at the team. You're looking at, here's a situation where what we bump into, and you probably bump into, is that clients that want to double the size of their revenue in the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. Well, what I find interesting is when I ask the question, what kind of leadership do you think it's going to take, take to, to do you. that? And are you ready for that? That usually stuns them Yeah, because I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So to your That's point, are question. they actually ready and able to do that? Another part of the answer to your question is, so there are a number of attributes. Let's just take one, grit. So grit is that ability that's looking at that behavior of if it's not going well, if it's repeatedly not going well, if we throw criticism on top of that, we throw challenges out of that and setbacks, when do you tap out? Mm -hmm. The lower the score means I'm done, I tap out. Mm -hmm. You want a high score. So when you look at a team of people, where are they on grit? 
because that is a factor that's going to be telling yeah. on the compa- Now, can you change that? Can you work on that? Absolutely. You are not doomed to a three out of 10. Right. You can, it's, it's like a muscle. You can strengthen it and you have to do things to get stronger at that. But that would be just be yeah. one example. So as you think about, again, utilizing the assessment tool of looking at baseline hmm. competencies, attributes, and behaviors, what you just said was there's certain areas that you can invest in and develop. Yes. There's also tools that look at, you know, no, you can't. This is who you are and you'll never be on that, which I'm not a big fan of, yes. by the way. But share with me a little bit about that. Well, to your point, that there are instruments out there that will tell you those things. I personally don't care for those either. I believe that people, if they really want to change, that these kinds of behaviors, they can change. Now, if they have a lot of changes to make, it may take longer time. And there may be some limiting factors, but you can become a much better leader than what you were before. And the people that are heavily talented you and I both know that their talent alone cannot take them there. That does not make them extraordinary leaders. Yeah. They have maybe they may have a stronger foundation, but are they growing? Mm. So it's a matter of will they develop? Nobody, nobody comes out ready to be an extraordinary right. leader. Yeah. Leaders are built. Yeah. They are built. Yeah. As you look at the generations, a lot of our listeners ask questions around the multi-generations in the workforce. Sure. And Mike, great topic, but what does this mean for our younger talent and our the total five generations in the workforce? What have you seen there? Any data that's uh, been come up or been collected around that time? Uh, well, I mean, there's, of course, data out there. And I think a fair amount of people misuse the data. One of the quickest ways I see that is when we categorize a particular generation. So millennials or Gen Xers or whatever it is, and we like to label them and so forth. And I don't find that very helpful. That what I have discovered is that often the boomers in my age group have not done well at actually mentoring. That I did it the hard way, you do it the hard way. Mm. That's how you learn. Instead of saying, okay, I've learned a few things down the road, take your dad and you and as, as an example that how do we nurture, how do we look at people, how do we use assessments to find out what areas of strengths, what areas of gaps, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, that nobody has it all together. Right. And so it's developing that. How do we need to develop? What's needed in this position? Where's the company at? Where does it need to go? Yeah. How do we need to learn to lead that way? And then how do you integrate the generations? Yeah. It can be done. And again, it goes back to that question you asked about trust. Yeah. Trust is a huge factor mm. in a dynamic that the inner generations can work together. Yeah. They should. They should. Work together. Yeah. 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 And I think that's the part I always say, forget the labels. I mean, usually who comes up with the label of a generation is the person that writes the first few books, right? <laughs> True. Um, and gets the website True. and creates yeah. the, at the end of the day, it's around experience. Absolutely. It's around lived experience. Mm-hmm. It's around learned experience. Yep. And how can all of the generations in the workplace work with one another to help one another. And then there's value shifts that happen off of catastrophic events that happen in each generation's lifetime that really forms views and how precious myself and all of us live through 9-11. But I think to the younger generation, when that happened and had that effect. Now, there are some that 
don't remember 9-11, yeah. right? Yeah. But like the space shuttle that exploded, everybody knows where they were yeah. when JFK was shot. Yeah. When yeah. And those form views of our own lives that then get Typical. lived out mm -hmm. in our value system. And yeah. it's a lot around learned experiences. Yeah. Really so is. what you referenced is that generations being willing to mentor, mm -hmm. being willing to further develop is critical to this process and leaning into that. So if you're listening and going, wow, it's been a while since I actually had a mentor or was a mentor, what I've learned from great mentoring programs, those who are mentoring learn as much from their mentees absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. as the other effects, right? So it's always a reverse It's a mutual learning experience, which I think is really critical for us to all keep in mind. Very much so. Yeah, this is excellent. Excellent. So with the Talent Magnet Institute, we're focusing on helping leaders succeed in relationships, work, community, and life. And the more we can help one another, whether that's personal or professional relationships, be more effective in how we dialogue and how we engage, the better. Yes. Have you heard or been told or shared from anyone who's ever taken the assessment, you don't have to name names, mm -hmm. but those who have referenced that this helped me be more effective in my relationships. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite common. Again, because of the, you referenced it at the beginning, we look at competencies and we look at attributes and we're measuring behaviors and it's really the thinking back behind those. But when it comes to relationships, we like to refer to it as that relationship is the current trust is the currency that's used to really build relationships. Mm. And again, because we come at it from multiple angles, they, what insights can you gain from emotional intelligence, from leadership, from managing, from critical thinking, and on it goes, that it's taking it apart and helping leaders understand, oh, that's what it is. Mm. That's what we've discovered in this process is that leaders will say, I knew it was something. I just didn't know what it was. Mm. And it was, let me give you a quick example. So one of the attributes that we measure is how you actually build others up. And so what we're looking with that is four real quick behaviors that we look at. So first of all, do you give clear, measurable directions and instructions? The second behavior is that do you have performance expectations? The third one is, do you hold performance accountability discussions? And the fourth one is coaching, mentoring, encouraging. Mm -hmm. Now, most people think of, do I empower others? That's the attribute. They think of coaching, mentoring. Ah, there's four behaviors. And so it's that what people find out is, oh, ah, they might get a four, let's say, in that particular attribute and say, ah, Dan, it was when you said clear and measurable. I'm pretty clear, but I don't put the metrics to it. Well, if you don't put the metrics to it, how in the world do you have performance accountability conversations? They don't, Yeah. but they do the other. So they can pick out when you understand those behaviors, that's what it is. Hmm. And now they know what it is. And now they can start focusing on that to improve that. Wow. That would be really one helpful. quick, one example like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. And going back to the life enduring questions, who am I, where am I now, mm -hmm. where am I going and how am I I'm getting there? there. Yeah. This is a, what we're trying to share with those leaders listening is how to help facilitate you getting there. So mm -hmm. we ask for everyone to spend some time on those three questions of who am I, yep. where am I now, where am I going? Yep. Yes. And then what do I need to help me get yes. there? This awareness piece is so critical to helping yes, us all is. get there. And sometimes that getting there, we all have pivots. We have detours in our lives. We have experiences in our lives that 
make us take a step back and say, wow, where am I actually intended to be? Where do I actually want to be going? This happens a lot in executive careers where 17 to 22 years in, we see a lot of leaders think about what is my next step? And is this what I intended to do? We always encourage people that it's not about changing roles, changing companies. It can be about sometimes changing roles and changing responsibilities. And again, how am I getting there is what is the journey? How am I becoming more self-aware? Where do I really want to be? When we talk about relationships, there's a lot of executives that are failing on the personal side. They're failing on the relationship side. And what we find this really plays into the whole, it's lonely at the top. It's very lonely at the top. And if you think you're the only one that's lonely at the top, it becomes really lonely at the top. And can you be self-enduring enough? So again, I think some of these assessment tools show us that. They show us the, where we're naturally going to go when stress levels ramp up, when discontent happens, which it can happen often. And also you're not always living in the normal. We're usually living in the state of a little chaos in our lives, right? Have you seen individuals become more self-aware and actually make significant pivots in their experiences. To your point, the the higher up that people are on the food chain, so to speak, many of them realize that the higher you go up, the less control. You do not have very much control the higher you go up. So it's about influence. It's about communication. And they start to realize that there are, are situations there. Leads me to a word that I introduced a number of years ago that's really hard one. It requires the honesty. We have to admit that we're inadequate. We cannot make everything happen. And if we keep trying to bolster ourselves up and get proudful and so forth, it messes it up. It's that you've got to admit, I don't have it all together. Now I can get there, but I got to know what I need to do to get there. And so I would say that this might be a good point to put it in that for the listeners that I encourage them to go to Mm lionsley.com, take a look at the site, but there is a free assessment there and we are measuring the attribute self-assessment. It doesn't cost you a penny. It takes just a few minutes to do. And it's Mm -hmm. one of the critical emotional intelligence attributes. Mm -hmm. And they can find out where they're at when they get a taste of of self-assessment and the kind of behavior base that we have. And they get a report that kind of helps them understand what it is, the desired, undesired behavior, so forth. So that would be be something helpful for them to take a look at. Yeah, and we'll put that in our show notes. And we encourage everyone. So go to lionslead.com. And go to the self-assessment. Yeah, that's right. There's a banner right there at the top that they can right click the on. Yep. And get some feedback courtesy of yes. Lions Lee, yes. Dr. Snively, and the Talent Magnet Institute. Yes. So, Dan, I thank you. I thank you for all of your help in my own development. I thank you for this time for our audience. I'm happy to field questions. We're both happy to field more and sure. more questions for you. And certainly look forward to our next conversation that you I and I have. Very much. Thank you for all that you do in helping leaders lead well. Yeah, our pleasure. All right. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. 
please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity.